beginning today's session and our practice day with a poem from Mark Napol. Having loved enough and lost enough, I am no longer searching, just opening. No longer trying to make sense of pain, but being a soft and sturdy home into which real things can land. These are the irritations that rub into a pearl. So we can talk a while, but then we must listen, the way rocks listen to the sea. And we can churn at all things that go wrong, but then we must lay all distractions down and water every living seed. So this practice that we're doing is learning, as we spoke about last night, learning to go beneath the place where we overly figure it out, overly think ourselves and this world to receive within this deeper receptive awareness that's listening, that's present, that can meet the experiences that unfold within the body, mind, and heart. Learning to love ourselves or learning to believe in ourselves. The old word definition of belief was to hold dear to hold dear and to learn to discern the deeper heart, the deeper truth and authenticity of our being and then the conditionings, the patternings that are not so helpful. So the Buddha called these uh, patternings sankhara which means that which has been put together through our very early developmental conditionings, what we learnt, perhaps very, very deep life statements about ourselves, from emotionally learnt experiences about belonging or worthiness, placement or lack of it, what was learnt through our social and cultural and family and schooling conditionings from that the voices that overlay what is our truth, judgments, the fears, all of this we, we come to listen to in a, in a very patient and careful way. Listen as these patternings shape the sense of self, however impermanent and elusive and lacking in solidity, the sense of self, it still has a shape and an impact as it co-arises dependent upon these conditionings, triggered by what is experienced through the senses and through memory, through contact with others, 
with what's happening in the world. So remembering this teaching from Ajahn Chah to catch what is felt in the net of mindfulness and to to consider, or as in this poem, to not have to figure out, but to to learn to be a soft and sturdy home into which our experience lands. This soft and, and sturdy home is also a way of talking about the aware, mindful practice, the heart, this awareness. Some of these sankharas, some of these patternings we've been talking about in our small groups, some of them have a lot of energy and they're not so helpful. They're disturbing to us or they're sabotaging or they're painful or they're conflicted, (coughs) confusing. Some of them take the shape of the hindrances that we've been contemplating. For example... Over the years, I've contemplated in the form of the hindrance of aversion, but projected onto the self. It projects outwards, but it can also project inwardly. And the feeling of not really wanting uh, t- to be here, sort of, which is a very motivating f- for me- for um, for meditations, a sort of learning to not be here through my meditation, <laughs> but not realizing actually the meditation was going to actually make me be more here. <laughs> didn't really want that to happen, but inevitably I start to twig that that's the point. You have to be more here fully with everything, even what I don't want to be with. But that was a very deep conditioning, a sort of resistance and lack of worth and lack of fully being in my presence in my body. And at first it felt just like me and it shaped many, my attitudes or feeling about myself or how I would enter into contact with others, with the world. And gradually through this practice, just being able to see it as a conditioning. It has feeling tones and cognitive narratives And little by little, through that seeing and that awareness, that allowing it to be in the soft and sturdy home of awareness, kindness, realizing over time that the trigger might happen, but it loses its power. So these patternings as mindfulness or surmounted by mindful investigation, losing their power, until the energy dissipates and what is reclaimed is the, a fuller, authentic way of being and an, an ability to hear into our, into our deeper, truer sense of worth, presence, truth. And that process of discerning and contemplation is really important within that process to, to have a lot of receptivity in the way that's kind, loving, even to that which we find hard to love. 
beginning with ourselves. And maybe love's a difficult word, so perhaps as in this poem, really helps us just to not have to make sense, but to be able just to receive and recognizing what is received is part of the process of our awakening. So we can talk for a while, but then we must listen the way rocks listen to the sea. This is a very beautiful image for contemplation. It's like being the rock, that which is present, aware, and moving, but not, not resisting the movement of the sea, the tides of our experience as they wash over the rock of our being. So that listening in to the waves, sometimes very subtle and pleasing, intuitive opening, calm, and other times storms that uh, push the rock around, move it somewhere else. But the central fact is this inner, central practice is inner listening. Listening as a soft and sturdy home when real things, things that are not easy, sometimes messy or painful to be with, but allowing them to land within our awareness, our own or others. Last night I was talking about the uh, collective, how some of what lands isn't so much about us. We interpret everything so personally as my fault or my problem or my view or my stance. But actually a lot of the sankara, a lot of the patterning is collective and ancient and familial and ancestral. It's important to remember that, or collective, so what is felt isn't immediately assumed as my personal problem. So ironically, this practice of anatta, not being so identified with the experience of self, allows a deeper contemplation of self, but not through rejecting or trying to push away self-consciousness, but through a really careful loving inquiry that this self actually is a function that's trying to help us. (laughs) It's kind of confused sometimes and it's clunky or complex. But as it clarifies and it becomes connected with the the deeper jitta, the the deeper awareness of the heart, which is uh, open to the flow of intelligent wisdom, then the self becomes a conduit for authentic expression and way of being here and now. And that process is facilitated through this simple practice we've been doing again and again, returning here, taking a breath, bringing awareness to how it is now. So finding our 
sitting posture as we begin. And with these lines, having loved enough and lost enough, I am no longer searching. Find our, finding our inner posture. We don't have to chew over what is lost. We don't have to find something that's not here. Having lost a lo- enough and, and loved enough, we don't have to search. We know the territories of the human heart. We've experienced them. So our practice is just opening. So opening into our experience, opening into our body, into our breath, as we've been doing again and again. Allowing the posture to help steady ourselves. No longer trying to make sense of the pain, not trying not to figure it all out, why it is as it is, what we should do about it. This inner being a soft and sturdy home, this awareness, thinking of mindfulness as a soft and sturdy home into which real things can be, the, re- the reality of our experience. Feeling with the breath, with the body, with the sensations, with whatever's present for us. Maybe taking some deeper breaths, if that's helpful, so you can really feel yourself here within the body. Slowing and deepening the breath can help, can steady, can calm, can soothe. If there's irritations, feeling of discord or dukkha, these are the, this is the experience that rubs to a pole. Nothing wrong. It's just part of a process that we're all within. Some ways not so personal, though it feels personal. Taking awareness, is any discomfort within our experience felt within the body, within the emotional body, mental body, just allowing awareness to touch there gently. Take the breath there, breathing out, softening, relaxing. So we can talk for a while, we can think, figure it out, but then we must listen the way rocks listen to the sea. We can churn at all that goes wrong, but then we must lay all distractions down and water every living seed. So our practice 
watering the living seeds of our awareness, our courage, the loving natural state of the heart, our ability to be here more and more fully, just to simply meet whatever life brings. In doing so, one breath at a time.
receptivity of awareness. Instead of going out and looking, so learning to allow things to come to us, our experience to unfold. It's encouragement from last night to allow for mystery, to allow the mystery of our own experience, the awareness, the sensation, being alive through experiencing sensation and awareness. On the out-breath, softening through the body, allowing the out-breath to encourage this subtler letting go of holding so much, subtly within the body, breathing in, feeling the inhalation, the subtle energy within the inhalation suffusing through the body, opening the body. Not having to be so defined by the thoughts, the memories, the narratives, the where you're going, the what happened. Opening deeper into the knowingness of the heart here. Knowing just as it is. Not through the cognitive so much, but just the direct experience of what is. It's part of the mystery of our unfolding. It's known but not necessarily defined so quickly through our thinking. is felt, explored, received.
It's more receptive in a mudra or attitude in our meditation rather than uh, getting somewhere. Consider more arriving, 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 more fully into our body, our experience, our feeling tones, our awareness. the knowingness and listening of the heart. It's being open there, open within the body. It's a lot of grace just to feel the life within our body, receiving that. The breath, Warmth, tingling. Self-awareness in a loving, careful way.
So if there's anything you'd like to mention or ask about, yes. So the question is, from early in the week, um, the template of the five indriyas, five spiritual faculties, the samadhi and panya uh, support each other. You understand how um, samadhi supports panya, um, um, constant um, gatheredness supports insight, wisdom, but you don't really see how wisdom supports samadhi, or you're wondering about that. So how um, panya support? Well, you know, there is something called um, uh, mitya samadhi, which means a wrong application of samadhi. You can have a lot of samadhi, a lot of focus, a lot of concentration um, with intentionality that's not wholesome, um, um, which uh, many of us do have sometimes, you know, for various outcomes, but we don't really discern what the intentionality behind the focus is. You know, so um, you know, so there's a proverbial example of the of the cat over the mouse hole. <laughs> it's a lot of samadhi, a lot of focus, you know, but um, not that it's unwholesome for the cat to catch the mouse. But it's just an example. Um, so the wisdom aspect discerns. You know, it's the the dhamma vichara is uh, connected with wisdom, which means investigation into into what's happening. You know, what's the intention? Um, and is the samadhi, when it's informed by wisdom, it will also allow for um, disturbance and to notice that then when if disturbance is there, if it give, we give rise to aversion, then the wisdom factor can actually identify that this is a hindrance rather than someone's causing me a problem. Um, of course, they might be causing you a problem. You might have to do something about it. But the, the real problem um, or the real issue is the the opportunity for the purification of aversion or the transformation of aversion. If you don't have any w- wise reflection, you don't catch that. Then you just sort of like go around trying to make the world um, perfect for you so you can be calm. Yeah. <clears throat> There's this um, one of our uh, teachers, Ajahn uh, Sujita, was tell- telling us about a retreat that he taught. I'm not sure where it was, but they had this um, stream running in the back somewhere near the um, Dhamma Hall. And he saw one yogi out in the middle of the break changing the rocks in the stream. And he's like, oh, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, I just kept hearing stars and stripes, so I'm trying to change the tune. <laughs> And that's an example of some samadhi, but maybe not not the wisdom aspect not growing. <laughs> but actually, that's what we do all the time. We're trying to change the tune. <laughs> and sometimes it's okay to change the tune, but when it becomes obsessive, you might have to wonder what's going on. <laughs> yes. Hmm.
So the question is about stabbing pain in the back and wondering whether, you know, uh, how to relate that to the idea of an energy block and a little bit what to do about it, right? Um, uh, It's a good question because uh, actually quite sometimes what does appear, I mean, there's a way of discerning between what is a physiological, structural situation within the body and then when we sit sometimes exacerbates that structural problem and that therefore might need actual um you know chiropractic or or um cranial so-called kind of body work in some way to and sometimes that's helpful to discern what's happening in the structures of the body so there's that level and then if there are there is pain um, that's arising from that level then it's good to not overly pressurize the system and push this posture because we could actually damage you know pull something you know like I did that in, in the when I very 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 beginning of the meditation instructions I got very early on <laughs> um, was almost just don't move you know so I took that very literally and I'm still paying for that in in my knee uh, one of my knees um and and again, samadhi no wisdom. So uh, so there, there's wise reflection, and then to adjust the body. You know, it's not always optimum just to tough out pain. You know, it doesn't. It can be exhausting, can be tiring, can damage the body. So there's that level, and there is the level, and they're not always unconnected, but there is a level where. Um, you know that um, we hold we've hold a patterning in the body that appears as pain or constrict we call it pain it's constriction tightness um, and that can sometimes become more um, intensified through the practice of gathering and meditation or just holding the posture for a length of time and again it's a question of learning to move in and out of intensity and you know, feeling into that area of the body and being able to work with it by bringing awareness, bringing the breath. Um, sometimes, if it's um, very strong, we can just take the awareness from the sensation and sort of like track down through the arms or legs to the extremities of the body. It's like helping to diffuse that blockage through the body and kind of bringing a sense of it moving or to the palms. But it also might mean changing the posture again if it overwhelms. I mean, generally you don't want to go into overwhelm. You don't want to trigger your system into overwhelm and all the complexity around that. So to maintain samadhi suggests ease and well-being. So the vichara that Kirisawa talked about, the second ajana factor, which is related to your question, the wisdom aspect is checking in. And, and adjusting, another way of say adjusting, adjusting posture, adjusting attitude, adjusting effort, adjusting your cognitive frame. So this is a sort of, in a way, there is a subtle, or not so subtle, adjusting in relationship to the material we're working with. But it, it can be the case of working through, you know, over time, one realizes that something that appeared as a pain that was an energetic block does move through. Uh, and they can appear in odd sensations. Like once I had this sort of like such a strong cracking experience. Like I actually looked in the mirror. I used to look in mirrors. My head sort of cracking open because that's what it would feel like. You know, it went on and on and on. It was like really intense. It's like I'm sure it's got this sort of line here somewhere. 
but nothing appears. It's an internal, it's like the body's rearranging the energetics. You know, the samadhi is a rearrangement of the energetics of the body and it's nothing to worry about, but you don't want to create too much intensity or, or overdo on the, the energizer pain, pain in the body. Yes. Yeah, sure. So the question is, I think it's a very good question again. It's uh, about um, what is the right approach for for me, for for us, each of us, um, in that balance between samadhi and and opening up and letting more material in, right? I think it's also quite sometimes individual. Sometimes some of us think we're opening up in, you know, into a more inquiry aspect of the meditation, but we just land up thinking and getting overwhelmed and reactive. And we might call it vipassana, or we just daydreaming, because there's not enough. <laughs> there's not, you know. And you can, I think, as meditators, we can get into these comfortable spaces where we sort of hang out, but there's not that real inquiry happening, or it drops away. Um, and so um, sometimes um, then it's helpful to hone the samadhi. So, or we might have patterns in our daily life where we get very dispersed, very eas- easily, very reactive, very easily. So cultivating the samadhi is very helpful for that because uh, it gives us the ground but then if we find ourselves getting very defensive our samadhi becomes very defensive we become irritated we become a bit kind of worried about getting disturbed then actually that's a sign that we need to relax a bit more and open and and try and negotiate and work with the material that's coming up um, and uh, you know, and and uh, just sort of take, just open the mind and be more useful and see what's present. But try and bring some of that samadhi in to support that inquiry, what's present. And then if you find it's you know getting you're getting too triggered, then you might come back to say, within that process, just let me just do three mindful breaths. So then it's quite um, you know it, it starts to integrate a bit more. You know, ultimately, you'd like those, but they're both the both of those to be integrated a bit more. You can sort of hone in on one or the other, but as they integrate, then there's more stability and more capacity to be with the processes that we experience. That can be more, um, you know, more movement in them, or more turbulence sometimes, more activation, but that can be contemplated without it overly disturbing one's sense of stability. Generally speaking, general rule of thumb, um, gathering meditation is very, very helpful for most of us because we've very got very activated, reactive, busy um, processes going on. So I can't see you very well. Is that okay? Or doesn't... That's okay. No, see more. Yeah. No, that's fine. Then, then you know. Then sometimes, yeah, it's being willing to withstand what is not easy to be with. 
So then the meditation, you can just say, this is my meditation has to be with agitation and restlessness. But trying within that to maybe still remembering this, this, the, the breath and the, the focusing. So you, it helps you maintain some stability. Yeah, but to, you don't have to do it in a way where you just sort of cut, shut down on the agitation. It's a sort of a. It's it, unfortunately there's not really a rule book about this. You know how much samatha, how much uh, vipassana. Well, people will sometimes give a rule books, but but it's actually really more an inner process of getting that sense of balance for for our for our what we're working with. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Rapture. So we speak about rapture. This is, um, you know, translation from the word pity, P-I-T-I. Just Kitty Sarah was saying the other morning is, is I'm wondering about that translation, <laughs> but it's to do with the bliss, pleasure of uh, principles of meditation. It's very important because sometimes we can really hone in on the suffering and struggle of it all. And actually, very often there is that principle there, that experience there, but we're not noticing it. Um, and so it's definitely mapped out as both a, a, an organic emergence that starts to happen when there's a gathering and unification process and the mind starts to settle and calm on the slow rhythm of the body and the body starts to be infused with the awareness of the mind. It's, it's quite blissful, it's very pleasant. And, and the encouragement to really notice that and, and to be able to allow that to suffuse through the body, but there's also a certain calming within that because one can actually get very a little bit sort of overly agitated and excited around that energy. So, you know, for insight, then there's a little bit of calming. So that, but not having to clamp down, but to actually allow that energy to suffuse, especially for many of us where our experience of the body is quite painful. But you can also, as Kisara was saying the other day, not to put it too high or too out there because even if there's uncomfortable feeling, the root of um, pity, uh, so-called rapture, bliss, is actually the sustained awareness in relationship to sensation within body. So you can start with something uncomfortable, and then as you're with that, you know, and again, with this relaxation, you know, um, pity, sukha, those two elements is relaxation, easefulness, not striving so much, then actually what is blissful is not necessarily so much the actual sensation, but the being filled with the awareness. The heart, you know, is filled with its own awareness and it starts to suffuse the body. Um, and, you know, when that's very stabilized, then whatever touches, you know, whatever arises or touches the sensory experience, whatever arises from internal material, can be absorbed, can be reflected on, even if it's disturbance. So, so to work with whatever sensations there as the root and the cultivation of that um, third territory and the cultivation of the jhana factors. Okay, I think uh, I think that might be enough for now. Some great question. Thank you. Um, there's no announcements. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Uh, so, other than have a wonderful day. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.